This is episode 75 of the Inspired Energy Podcast. And in this episode, I'm catching up with Tyane Osborne. And Ty is a friend and an amazing coach and facilitator based in Texas, USA. Uh, I had Ty on the podcast back on episode 24, where we talked about strengths and culture and leadership and a whole range of things. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go back and give that a listen. This episode, however, we focus on a different topic. It is October 2020. And a little while ago, Ty shared an article on LinkedIn about microaggressions. And it really hit home for me and it really helped me just bring to the awareness and think about culture even more and it's something I talk to so many clients about but got me really thinking about those small micro aggressions and micro messages that people may not even be aware of that they are making and the impact they can have. So I just had to get Ty on the podcast again and just have a chat about this and about her article. There'll be a link uh, to the article in the show notes, so please check it out if you haven't read it. It showed such vulnerability and openness uh, from Ty to share her experiences over the years uh, of being the recipient of these microaggressions and micro messages and creating a space for others to share and connect and uh, explore the impact and the uh, unfortunate lasting effect these can have on people. In this conversation, we talk about what it actually means to um, define and understand these microaggressions and micromessages, what they can look like and the impact they can have. We talk about that from a, a COVID perspective. We talk about it from a minority perspective. We talk about it from being white and trying to be a better ally for um, people in the world right now in 2020 for all that's been happening for trying to adjust and bring awareness to in uh, inequalities and equities and injustices. Um, it was such a vulnerable conversation from Ty talking about her learning and her experience and I valued it so much and I'm on my own learning journey so I got to learn so much from Ty as well to think about how I'm showing up and how I can understand more and the power of my own words and how I can also be a better ally as well. Um, it's such a, an inspiring conversation with Ty and I just thank her again at the start of this conversation for creating a space to have these important conversations. I'm a big believer that every conversation is an opportunity to influence the culture and as we talk through this it just got reminded to me again and again about every conversation that we have in those cultures that we're a part of whether that's in a work sense, community, home sense uh, and how we communicate and are we showing those aggressions or messages in a way that lifts and creates a trusting safe culture or not and and owning those when we don't and uh, being more conscious as people and leaders when we do and the impact that can have um, we'd love to know what you get out of this conversation uh, so please share please um, check out the article I mentioned earlier that Ty wrote around microaggressions and um, would certainly encourage you to comment on that and share that around as well. Um, so here I go, catching up with Ty Ann Osborne. Ty, I'm ready to continue the conversation we were just having before we even hit record. Um, I'm so so excited. So I'm actually full of energy thinking about connecting with you today. Uh, we were chatting before I hit record about voting. It is October 2020. Uh, it's on 
it's on everywhere right now. I can imagine. I'm hearing it in it my is. part of the world, in America. I'm sure it's everywhere at the moment. Um, I was actually yeah. talking to someone yesterday. They said they're getting text messages. They're getting emails. Go vote, yes. go vote. It's crazy. I mean, if you turn on the television, that's, that's all there is. If, um, if anyone is still on Facebook, I got off. That's all there is. <laughs> it's yeah. all the things. And um, I don't know if it's the same way where you are, Murray, but we have sort of Super Tuesday in November is the big voting day, but leading up to that is early voting. And so it varies by state. And so every state is a little bit different, but there's this whole early voting period. So for us, it just in Texas, it just kicked off this week. But for various other friends of ours, it's starting about now. Yeah, so, gotcha. Yeah. Do you have the same thing? Um, so you can do absentee voting and mail-in voting in Australia, uh, depending on where you are. You know, you might be away on 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 the day when we go to the polls. Uh, okay. For those American listeners, a, a big difference between here and over there is it's compulsory to vote down here. Right. So if you don't vote, you can get fined. So once you turn 18, you need to register to vote and you can get that fine. So you have to vote. The second big difference is our voting days, whether it's local, state or federal elections, is on a Saturday. Oh, well, that's convenient. Yeah, they're always on a Saturday, which I think makes it easier for everyone to get to the polls as well. So um, the other thing yeah. is we always seem to have like a charity sausage sandwich at, <laughs> at the polling booth. So whenever I smell like barbecued sausages, it's you like... Know, it's time to vote. Do I, do I need to vote? It's like someone might be cooking sausages in the neighborhood. It's like, oh, is it voting time? Because it's that, well, that thing. Once again, I think the Aussies are onto something. So you guys make a party of everything, right? Maybe yeah. if we gave away sausage <laughs> sandwiches, we would have better turnout. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny in America, uh, the right to vote is a very big deal. And so people very much... Uh, want the right to vote but in in wanting the freedom they don't always exercise the freedom mm. um which is always kind of one of those paradoxes um but what's interesting right now is we are having massive turnout in this early voting we're having um record turnout so far so we will continue to see if this um if this goes you know if how this plays out and it's yeah. kind of interesting depending on which party you are um you know, affiliated with one party really likes to have more voter turnout than the other. Yep. And so, which is sort of makes my head explode too, because you would think everyone should turn out to vote, right? Yeah. And, so um, what, what were they elected to do to represent the people? That's <laughs> no, Murray, that's not what happens. <laughs> and then let's make it even more difficult. Let's put it on a Tuesday yeah. when people are trying to work and then let's not give people time off to go vote. Let's make mm. it very difficult. And so, um, so yesterday, um, the good news, if you vote early, you can go to um, the, the places you can go. It's um, usually you're not bound by a certain precinct. Whereas if you go vote on the voting day, you have to go to a very specific place, which is gotcha. yeah. usually not very convenient. And there's a line, you know, down the block and that kind of thing. So being in Texas in a small town, one of our voting places yesterday was the rodeo arena. So that's where I went. So standing in line with, you know, on the dirt and everything. And there was this mom in front of me with these two little boys. And um, one of them who was about five years old, you could tell he wanted to be anywhere else than standing in a line 
you know, where it's hot still and everyone had their mask on and everything. And he was eating a, a bag of snacks that he promptly turned upside down and all the snacks fell into the Oh, dirt. poor thing. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and can I just say, there's yeah. no five second rule in the rodeo. I mean, <laughs> it's not like you pick them up out of the dirt and eat those. I, well, I can't. You know, the mom was horrified and the little boy, he was, he was going to pick him up out of the dirt and eat him. And we were all watching this interaction play out. Right. And the mom was saying, no, no, his name was Waylon. It was really cute. And she was like, no, Waylon, don't, don't do that. And so she grabs them up and she runs and puts them in the, in the bin and Waylon just, he proceeds to lose it. And um, of course, being the mom now, I reached into my bag and I had a granola bar and gave it to him and saved the day. So so, and can I just say, <laughs> it's amazing, I'm sure, what mums keep in their handbags. It's like, oh, uh, no, the, we could, yeah. There's the first aid kit, there's tissues, there's granola bars, you know, there's all like in there. It's ready to go. Whatever you need, we could probably avert nuclear disaster. There's, I mean, <laughs> now, probably just, a change of clothes. I mean, before we move on, I just need to check in this uh, lineup of people wanting to vote. Yes. Yes. How many were wearing cowboy hats or had big belt buckles? I'm just picturing this, <laughs> this sort of procession there. I should have taken a photo. Obviously, I had my hat on, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, um, to be fair, it, you know, even though it's October and getting, you know, mid-October, it's still really warm here. And it was kind of unseasonably warm. It was like still 90 degrees here. Yeah, so. Wow. Had it been a little cooler, you actually would have seen more jeans with the big belt buckle. So most people were still in shorts with more of a baseball cap on. Okay. okay. As opposed to like the big cowboy hat and boots and jeans. So the picture so, in my mind, you've let me down there. That's that's I'm sorry. It was more of a function of heat rather than <laughs> anything else. So sorry. No, that well, I, I well, I'm glad you voted. I think everyone should get the opportunity yeah. to vote. Well done for getting it done early. So as you said, you don't have yes. to, uh, you know, line up for too long when it, when it's time. And thanks for sharing. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope Waylon's okay. It would have been a tough <laughs> moment, you know, having to line up to vote and, and drop yeah, his snacks as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get through dirt snacks, but you know, I had the granola bar and then significance in me. I wore my, uh, I voted sticker proudly around the rest of the day. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, it's good. And we'll see what happens. You know, yeah. I really hope that um, people exercise the right that they have in this country and get out there and, um, you know. Well, I think that's, that raises a very good point, because unfortunately, there are, there are countries in the world where you can't vote and voting is, is much harder and there's different, right. you know, regimes in place. So you're right. If you have that, yeah. that uh, vote, let's that opportunity exercise it. You know, uh, one of the things that, especially uh, raising two girls and, you know, I'm always big on language in the house because as our friend Doug Bacon always says, words matter, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we, we like to say, instead of I have to, we like to say I get to. Mm. So I get to vote because there's people in the world who are dying literally for the right to vote. Yeah, that's a really good so, point. Yeah. And so same thing too. I get to go to school today because other people in the world don't get to go to school today. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I've heard that, and you've reminded me of it from the past, where it's even framing up your to-do list, no matter what you're doing as a leader, team member, uh, at home, I get to do these things. I get to have conversations with people. I get to, you know, work on a project. You know, it does change yeah. their mindset, doesn't it? 
Yeah. And I'm not saying every day is like I get to ride my unicorn around. I mean, it is work, right? Yeah. But um, just that mental switch can, you know, it's amazing how just, I think it goes back to kind of that gratitude practice. Like, yeah. You know what? I, I do. I get to be in service of other people today or I get to go to the grocery store today. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thank you. And I appreciate you bringing that up. And for anyone listening, think about those um, ways we describe our day to ourself, because as uh, Ty just said, words matter. Um, and the yeah. way that we all uh, train our brain to see the, our life and the things that are going on. And to be honest, that's a great segue to what we're talking about more deeply today. And um, language, as you said, is important and uh, words matter. And the reason we are having this conversation, not just because you're an awesome person, I love chatting to you. And, um, and I'm thinking we could chat for hours today, but you know, we've we got totally a bit of time. Could. We could. <laughs> we a bit of time. So you, you had an article on LinkedIn a little while ago around microaggressions and how you can be an ally. And it really connected with me. I thought it was inspiring. I thought it was vulnerable. I thought it was, it was much needed right now in the year of 2020 and what's been happening. It's unfortunate it's needed. Yeah, but thank you so much for reaching out, Marie. That meant so much to me that you did that. Thank you. Oh, well, I, I, um, it touched me and I shared it straight away with my wife, Tammy, and she passed on just a few people and I've shared it with clients because um, the, the courage you showed in sharing some of your um, experiences over the years and the impact that they made, that creates a space for others to also share and understand what that means. Uh, so I think to help people understand what we're talking about, when we say microaggressions and mm -hmm. micro messages, uh, what are we talking about? Well, sure. So to back up a little step, and this was um, the book and the, um, the gentleman who kind of got it kicked off for me. His name is Stephen Young, and he's got this book called Micro Messaging. And so I got a chance to meet him a number of years ago. And the just the term micro messaging in and of itself doesn't have to be negative, but it is all the little things that happen, which basically serve to either reinforce that I'm a part of the club or I'm not. And these are just little things that say we were not in a global pandemic and I actually got to see, see you in person, right? And if I saw you, um, say we were at a, a strength summit, for example, and if I saw you, I would run up to you and I would give you a big hug and, you know, there would be all kinds of, of joy. It would be great. But there might be somebody standing next to you that I didn't know who might be thinking, oh, I you know, I, I didn't get a hug, what, I, what's kind of going on, and I might have zero intention of making them feel left out. I mean, it, it's nothing. I, I, it's just because I love you so much. It, it, I have no intention of sliding them in the least, but that might be a little micro message that they get, which says I'm not part of. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we can think about all these little messages that happen and they happen from a very young age and they just kind of get compounded and compounded and compounded and then you can imagine if you layer on um all the different things about sort of gender and race and all the other things on top of it which serve to reinforce you're part of the group or you're not part of the group yeah and so yeah. 
you're making me think about something I shared with a team I was working with early this week. And we're talking about how as humans, we perceive social threats like physical threats. Absolutely. The yeah, same we're parts. Hardwired yeah. We're, we're hardwired that way. So those, those same, same parts of the brain light up when I'm yes. socially threatened as I'm physically threatened, the fight or flight kicks in. Right. And we're not just talking big threats. It's those little threats. And that, I'm thinking about that. And the, the, I think the important part yeah also with that example is with zero intent. That's it. That's mm. it. And, um, and the person who's on the receiving end, they don't know, they don't know your intent, right? Yeah. So they're interpreting what's happening to them. Um, and so they're, they're reading into that. Well, Ty didn't give me a hug. She must not like me. She must not like me because I am fill in the blank yeah. with, she doesn't like me because I'm old, young, I'm not her same race, I'm not her gender, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, this person literally might not even be in my frame of view, you know? Yeah, and as, as meaning-making machines. That's what our human brain wants to do. It yes. wants to create meaning. And so our brain has this gorgeous and sometimes completely unhelpful thing that it does, which is try to connect the dots, right? Yeah. In, in a split second too. Like, yes. Like it's a, oh, so that's what that means. I've just created a whole story based on that action or those words. It means this. Right. Which yeah. is both brilliant and can be amazing and can be also wildly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so that is kind of the micro messaging and at its core, it can be very neutral. It can be positive or negative. And then microaggressions really are taking that to a negative place mm. and taking that to a place that it is based on those other factors, which really are meant to kind of cut you down a little bit, put you in your place a little bit. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, there are some well, I'll say some, but unfortunately, many instances where those messages and aggressions can be more conscious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of it to say, for whatever reason, I'm in the group and you're not. Yeah. And I'd like to remind you of that. Yeah. Do, do you feel safe, trusted, um, included part of the group? Yep. Or do you not? And do you feel excluded? And the impact of that can be um well actually what's your thought what do you think is the impact and, and what did you read about there and what have you experienced what's the impact of these messages yeah i mean the i'll tell you my personal impact and then what the research would say is uh, i mean the research says that you know people who are victims of this it's obviously disproportionate for um you know women and minorities and then people who are affected by this are exponentially more likely to have mental health issues, mm -hmm. um, you know, have an increased rate of suicide, you know, obviously much lower performance at work. You see disparities in pay. I mean, you see all the negative, yeah. you know, reactions there. And then when I think about the things that I've been through, I, I think kind of the, the best line I have to sum it up is when I was writing my article and I was getting some feedback on it um, from different people I trusted. Um, I would say a, a white male peer of mine who I worked with for a number of years, he said, um, 
I had no idea that this was going on. I was just going to work and getting ahead. I had no idea you were going through this. And I was like, that's it. That's it. Like that, that's what's happening. Yeah. I was dealing with this and here's someone who is absolutely my peer in every way mm. was dealing with none of this. He was going to work and getting ahead. Yeah. That's it. Um, is there some resilience that you think you've developed through your experiences? So is there some positive positivity you can take from some of those, you know, messaging and aggressions you have experienced over the years? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think anytime you go through something like that, you kind of, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta go through it and it, you know, it makes you, if you come out the other side, it makes you a stronger person. Anytime we go through something, right. Um, any kind of trauma. Um, and I think that was kind of part of the reason for, you know, writing and talking about this stuff was, well, you can either become really, um, well, you can be in denial for sure. Um, you can become just really angry and bitter about it. Or yeah. what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Um, can I put my message out there and see if it helps somebody? And I think that's, that's really where the genesis was. Um, so I was having this conversation with my friend Yolanda, who's um, an African-American, um, also human resource professional, somebody who has been my peer um, for a number of years. And we have worked closely together. I have um, huge respect for her. And she and I talk all the time. And so we were talking about all of the different things that have happened in the States, obviously. I mean, it's gotten worldwide attention. And she said, um, where are my white friends? Where, where are my white friends? How come they're not standing up as my ally? And, you know, Marie, when she said that, I, like, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, gosh, like, what a, what a huge statement, right? And mm. I was like, man, there's a lot. There's a lot. And like, I didn't even know where to begin saying. And, but there was a big part of me that was like, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. And it feels very like, can I say something? is that okay to say something? Should I say something? Kind of, it feels like I'm the last person who should say something. Yeah. And, and from your article and the relationship you have with Yolanda, it sounds to me and tell me if this is what happened. She was able to give you yeah. some guidance. She was able to say, Hey, this is what an ally looks like. This is what you can do. This is what yeah. will help. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I think, cause that's yeah. what maybe instead of us saying, I don't know. And I say us as white people, um, but what can I do? Ask the question, how can I help? Yeah. And so that was it. That was it. So you got to crack the door open. So I think a doing nothing is not an option. Yeah. Um, it was probably never an option, but it, it is not an option going forward. Yeah. And if you don't know what to do, ask, mm. These are, these are things I'm learning, you know, <laughs> takes me a while, Murray, but these are things I'm learning. If you don't know what to do, ask what to do. Um, it is never appropriate to say, um, well, here's what I think black people should do. You should, you should never say something like that. That would be incredibly offensive. But what you can say is, here's what my experience has been. Um, how can I best help you? What would you like from me? I mean, you can, you can 
how, how can I show up for you? You can ask questions like that. And I was just listening um, to a, um, a seminar yesterday and the person said, you know, a great thing to say is, I am probably not going to get this right, but I would like to try. Yeah. And can I, I love that. I feel that when you say that and what I feel is, you know, us taking uh, us as people, as humans, when we communicate, taking the time to frame up and be vulnerable and to provide some context and saying, I, I don't know, but I'm willing to try and willing to learn. Yeah. And so for me, I had to ask, you know, what, what does that mean to be your ally? Like what, what does that look like? And we had to get pretty granular about, does that mean like making a political statement on Facebook? Is that what you mean? Um, because if so, I have zero comfort in that zero. I mean, like I have zero comfort being on Facebook at all. Like <laughs> that is not my love language. <laughs> that's, that's for our next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, if you are Charlotte Blair, God bless you. She is Miss Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is her love language. That is not mine. And so I just said, if that's what being an ally to you means is having this big Facebook outspoken presence that I, I am probably always going to let you down in that way. So that doesn't feel authentic to me. Um, what does feel authentic to me is I can write, I can, I can write, I can write a post, I can talk about my experience. And um, so we started just having conversations like that. And I, I offered, um, I said, I would love for you to write and, and I will use, you can have my platform. And yeah, so that we're, right. we're doing that. She's putting together a post right now and I'm going to um, put it out on my platform. I saw that and, in the last couple of yeah. months on Instagram where some celebrities had uh, let other um minority groups, uh, African-American women, you know, post on their platform for a period of time, which is fantastic. It's like, Hey, yeah, leverage my audience to, to support you and get your message out, which is, yeah. So that's, right. the, I think. So that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I'm hearing here is have the conversation because what one person needs and another person needs could be quite different. It's about seeking to understand and exploring right. what that is. So that was something, and she was saying too, like when, um, you know, because it just seems like there's, I mean, every day there's a new one of these stories coming out about yeah. if it's George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or all of these things. She said, ask me when those things happen, at, call me or text me and ask mm. me how I feel. And I thought, oh man, it never would have occurred to me, Marie, to pick up the phone when I hear that stuff on the news. It, yes. and 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 then I thought why wouldn't it have occurred to me anyway then I had this whole like mental game going on but I'm like I'm so glad she said that because then I know what she needs you know yeah and 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 again me hoping to understand here um I could imagine when those absolutely terrible things happen that there's some triggering that happens that people are thinking about previous experiences or what if that right. was someone I knew or what if that is someone I loved or whatever it might be, all of those things right. are coming up for them. And it's about, okay, right. so I'm here to support you. I'm going to reach out and check. Right. Yeah. So, but it's just like, if we hadn't had that conversation, I never would have, I, it, that just wouldn't have organically occurred to me to do that, you know? And, and I love her and she's a great friend, but that mm. wouldn't have occurred to me. And so, um, 
so all that kind of stuff, you know, was such a great conversation. And I think to this conversation about privilege, and I'll tell you, and this is going to sound like the whitest thing to ever say, but I think if you would have told me, and I, again, like, let's have these conversations, right? Yeah. If you would have said, like, you were such a privileged person, if you would have said that to me a few years ago, I don't think I ever, I never would have connected the dots. I wouldn't have understood what that meant. Yeah. And so being able to have those conversations now and to see it and think, oh, that's what that means. And then, okay, what do I do with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, well, I think, I don't know, but I think that there's more of those conversations and awareness happening this year, which is great, but we are far from having enough of those. I know in our house, Tammy and I have been talking about that a lot this year. Uh, what does that look like? And just having that awareness and because I think in the past or maybe prior for myself as well, it's like, oh, privilege is this, I'm living in this mansion with, you know, million dollars of blah, 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 and all this right. stuff, but it's not, right. it's, it's, it's actually, do you get opportunity um, in the easiest way day in, day out? Right. I mean, because that's what it seemed to me like, oh, well, your life is so privileged. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not sitting back here printing cash and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just taking a bath in my money all day. I mean, that, right. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. But so here was an example of something that happened. So I was driving and I got pulled over and which doesn't happen very often. And I was kind of, I was a little bit freaked out. I'm like what's going on? I wasn't speeding. I got pulled over and the police officer said, you have a headlight that's out. And I, I wasn't aware of it. And I thought, Oh, okay. And it, it wasn't until that whole interaction was over, Murray, that I thought somebody else could have lost their life because of that interaction. Yeah. Something that, you know, even at the time, I was more upset just because it was an inconvenience for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, crap, now I'm going to have to go buy the auto parts store and, you know, how dare my headlight go out because now that, you know, it's an inconvenience yeah. for me, I'm going to have to stop by the auto parts store. And just that, that for somebody else that could have been a life ending event. Yeah. And I can hear it and I can feel it right now around that simple interaction that no one should have be should be in any situation where their life is at risk, their well-being is at risk because of a routine, hey, your headlights out. But, right. But you're, right. like you're, you're, you're exactly saying, unfortunately, that's what has happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so being aware of that yeah. kind of was like, oh, that's privilege. Yeah. Man. And um, so that was definitely eye-opening. And even thinking... Um, you know, just other interactions too, thinking about like the police. Um, you know, I've always felt like the police were there to help me, you know, like they were the good people. Yeah. It never in a million years did I ever think like they weren't there to help me, that they were the bad people, not the good people. And, you know, to start to see some of those interactions through the eyes of some of the things that have happened, ugh, mm. you know. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
Do you, and I, I, that's a big question I'm going to ask, but do you think there's a shift happening? I know there's lots of talk, but is there a shift happening in the US at the moment to help reset uh, some of the uh, perceptions and relationships that do exist so that that does get better? I think so. Uh, well, there's got to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel it. I definitely feel it. There's got to be. And I think there's, there's definitely opened up conversations about why is it the, how have the police gotten to where they've gotten? Like, you know, as a society, we have asked more and more and more and more of the police over time. Yep. And so I think there's been um, an acknowledgement, like, is this, is this right? Is the, should we have this? Mm -hmm. Should some of this be in more of a, almost, you know, a community, a social work kind of thing and actually not in the police purview and should more, um, you know, some of those funds be redirected there. So that's all very real time. It's being, you know, yeah. And, and, and as an outsider, I'm sure, um, that I don't fully understand. I know I don't, but one of the things that I think is, again, I'm framing this up, hopefully okay, is it's very inconsistent between areas in, um, in different countries. Uh, you know, I, you're based in the US and I can imagine uh, it's inconsistent around how the, the work is done, how it's funded, who does what, the responsibilities. And there's some really good areas and, and uh, good processes and systems and, and things in place. And then other areas, it's just not. So that consistency, I think, is a problem. Welcome to the States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. Australia and lots of other countries have their problems as well. Uh, and I think that's where uh, the, the movement that has happened in the U.S., uh, Black Lives Matter, very, very important. It's bringing awareness to the things that, you know, we're talking about and our awareness, but everyone else. And, and that the good out of that is there's been a ripple effect in other parts of the world as well. So, yeah, I was going to ask because, again, I feel like news often flows out of America and onto everyone else. We don't always get you, you don't You don't get any outside news in America. No, we don't. The media is exceedingly <laughs> one way. <laughs> in the states so what is happening because you know you i mean australia's got a long history of people also being marginalized oh yeah yeah and, so and what is happening um i'm well i'll put my hand up and first say i'm not as educated as i'd like to be or i think i should be around this topic so i i own that um what i do know is Early this year, we had protests and we brought some awareness to deaths in custody. Uh, I was getting some reporting in the in the media uh, and around the terrible statistics around um, the percentage of Indigenous people in um, in that are incarcerated um, and also okay. the treatment. However, has anything shifted? Has there been any change in policy? Has there been any um, improvement in those? situations i don't think so i think there was a spike of attention mm. but we're not getting the change that we need to have uh, australia has a as you said like a, a, a white people settling here over 200 years ago and thinking hey we found a country and this is what we're doing and uh, there's already an existing and the longest um 
population in the world here existing right. uh, and, and living and thriving in lots of ways. Um, uh, and there's a lot that we need to do to bring around that um, equity and equality. Yeah. Um, that said, there are some good things happening. There are some uh, uh, programs in place, but again, inconsistent and not getting enough focus. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe one of the things to come out of this so bizarre year, I don't even know what we're going to look back and call this year, but we'll just yeah. be like the crazy time or whatever is, um, you know, maybe it'll accelerate some of this stuff and we'll be able to be like, yeah, that's the year we finally were able to, you know, make some, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I like the Earth's obviously spinning consistently. For <laughs> I don't think I have any flat Earth listeners out there, <laughs> and and maybe we're just we're doing a little pause at the end of twenty twenty. Let's just stop and and start spinning again in a better direction. I vote for that. I hope for that. <laughs> um, so something I've said to lots of leaders over the years uh, is every conversation is an opportunity to influence the culture. Absolutely. And I think about this um, when we talk and about the things we are talking about and not just within organizations, within families, within, with friends, with any of the communities that we're a part of. Yep. Um, how do you think this statement plays out with what we're talking about with micro messages? Yeah. You know, it's like when we're, talking with clients and we are talking about culture with our clients all the time. And I tell them, you know, culture is something um, it's living and it's breathing and it's something you, you have, mm. whether you like it or not, and whether it's what you want or not. Um, and it's not something you, you talk about once a year when you do the employee survey and it's not what you think it is. It's, it's never what you think it is. Um, it's, and so it's, it's every little thing every day, that's it. And it's, um, so every single interaction, it's either putting drops of dye in the water in the good bucket or in the not so good bucket. Oh, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, one little drop doesn't make a difference. Mm. It doesn't. Over, you know, if you have a, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, one little drop in either side doesn't make a difference. But over time, you better believe it makes a difference. And you're not going to be able to tell which drop made the deciding difference. If, you pee, time, if you pee in the pool long enough, it's just going to be a I'm pool of pee. That's, <laughs> that's it. We always told the kids that we had the, the dye in the pool that if you peed, it turned purple. Yeah. yeah. They still believe that's true. Yeah. Just say it. Um, but yeah, so I always tell them it's everything you do. So if you come in and you're having an off day, that that's decretive. Mm -hmm. That that takes away. And if you're having an on day, that's great. That's accretive. So it's everything. It's everything. So if you're having a microaggressive day, guess what? That that's that takes away. So here's a thought: If someone's listening to this conversation and they're thinking, "Oh, this sounds like so much extra work." To What's not your... be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> to not be an asshole. Maybe That's... we should have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please call me. <laughs> well, that, 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 that ends that conversation right there. I agree. 
no, no, no. It's, um, it's never too late. Yeah. So, and the bit I'm thinking about, it's actually not extra work. You're right. It's not turning up like a, I think you've described it pretty well being an asshole. It's actually, how do I turn up and just be more considerate of those people around me? It doesn't take that much extra energy, does it? No, it's the same amount of energy, right? You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. It's the same amount of energy. And so I think, you know, the first thing Maria was thinking about was, especially like when I was writing that article, I had that part at the end that I really encouraged the leaders to sit down with their teams and just talk and ask, you know, what microaggressions are happening because there's something happening. There's always something happening. And so if you're the leader and you're sitting there right now thinking nothing's happening in my company, you are a thousand percent wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There is something happening. And if you think there's not, you're fooling yourself or you don't really know what's going on. Can I ask, did you read Simon Sinek's um, book, The Infinite Game? You know, I've read a lot of his stuff. I don't know if I've made it all the way through that one. Yeah, I I could be wrong. I think it's his most recent book. It's the most recent of his book I read. And the reason I'm raising it is there's something that he explores in the book, which you are alluding to so strongly and that is ethical fading Ooh, what does he say about that well he talks about in the finance industry but also from a cultural perspective around how our ethics within an organization can fade away bit by bit by bit and then we get wells fargo stays in business (laughs) (laughs) and then we get to a point where something and the way i think about it culturally as then Let's say then, let's say something happens one day and a, a manager slaps a woman on the, on the backside sure. and they're like, hang on, that's un- inappropriate. That should, you know, we need to bang. Right. It, it's, it's, it's not a microaggression. That's a macroaggression. Hang on. That is just unacceptable. Right. 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 But what I think about is, well, what led up to that point? What was the ethical fading? What, where did we mm-hmm. drift apart? Where did we drift from the standards of behavior and acceptability that we said that we would work towards to get to that point? Right. And right. what I like that you're talking about is as a leader, let's be proactive. Let's have those conversations around, well, what's happening right now? So we don't get to any situation we don't want to ever get to. Well, I think that's what, it's so great that you said that. And I will look that up. As you know, I read all the time. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of what was so interesting about what I wrote is that it was so shocking for so many people. Mm. Um, and, you know, one of the things I wrote about was the COO of a division of PepsiCo at the company Christmas party. He came and put his hand down my dress in front of a big group of people who laughed about it and said, oh, that's just so-and-so. So clearly there had been this erosion over time and I wasn't the first person he had put his hand down their dress and it had become so normalized that not one of them looked and was like, oh my gosh. In fact, it was funny. Yeah, I, and I think that oh, that's just so-and-so, that's just the way it is, that's just the way he shows up, that's just, that's just my uncle at Thanksgiving, you know, type thing. Um, That's it. However, within organizations, we have a a role to play as leaders in the culture that's created. 
for acceptable and non-acceptable behavior. Absolutely. There's, um, that's kind of a, a hallmark of microaggressions is that they are often wrapped up in humor. Yeah. Yeah. That, often because that's sort of the social lubricant that makes them easier to swallow, if you will. Yeah. And um, there cannot be any sacred cows. You know, you can't say, oh, well, that's, that's Tim, but he's our general counsel. <laughs> you have to have zero tolerance if that's the COO or whatever. And what's interesting is, you know, almost all big companies now, Murray, you know this, at, have kind of appropriate workplace behavior training now, right? I mean, we see this, this is now almost standard. And, you know, they trot the attorneys out and the HR people out and say the right things. And it's, you know, if frontline manager Steve does something, there's usually a pretty consistent response, you know, yeah, yeah. Steve will be terminated. Okay. Well, if, you know, that's frontline manager Steve, but if CEO Tim does something far, far less often is the CEO you know, dealt with the same way that the frontline managers dealt with. Which I think goes back to that consistency of yeah. it doesn't matter what your role is or the level within an organization, the same expectations apply. Right. So what does that say to the employees then when you're yeah. like, well, you know, frontline manager did it and he was immediately eviscerated. We never heard from that guy again. Mm. And CEO did it and everybody laughed about it. And the person who disappeared was the victim, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I think that the more, again, that these things are talked about and brought awareness that around how do we have the conversations around the acceptable, and, and let's be honest, there are some really good leaders out there that are doing a great job in creating cultures of people that are thriving and engaged. Absolutely. So yeah. I don't want people to think, you know, it's, it's a horrible place out there. It's not. And so, you know, the big thing for me, Murray, was saying, um, I recognize that I do have privilege and I'm just starting to come to grips with what does that mean, you know, and what does it mean to kind of stand up for other people and use my voice and what kind of platform do I have and how can I, how can I be an instrument of good? And then thinking that, okay, and if these things have happened to me along the way, and I am, I am white, I am educated, I, you know, I do have all of the advantages. Oh my gosh, what must be happening to people who do not have the same level of privilege and and who are we leaving behind, you yeah, know, yeah. and who's not able to say anything about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, Murray, um, I, I did have agency and that's kind of a use the, a, a word that we use to say that, you know, I have the ability to pick up my wagon and go somewhere else. Mm. And I know that I could go find another job, right? You know, what, what are they going to do to me at the end of the day? I can go find another job. Maybe it'll be inconvenient or, you know, what kind of financial impact is it really going to have? You know, I have some money in the bank. I have family that I could move back in with, you know, like really yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. I'm not going to be living in a box down by the river, you know, so you kind of think about this, that really nothing bad is going to happen to me. 
but what about people who don't have my same privilege? Yeah, yeah. They can't just go find another job. They can't, they don't have money in the bank. They don't have family that they could rely on, you know? Um, what are they gonna do? So, and they have to put up with some asshole putting their hand down their dress. Yeah, you know? and and the I'm I'm pausing to think about again seeking to understand around. We don't know everyone's situation, and we don't know what that's yeah. like. And right. uh, and what I mean by that is that the the full livelihood and lives of people, and what that could be like. And as you said the uh, the actual ability to have that agency and choice that in yeah. itself isn't available to minorities and people right and so i i just figure i'm like oh my gosh and th this is what we do for a yeah. living right yeah. we try yeah. to to get in there to as many people as we can and help them see the potential in them their their lives and themselves right like we try to be a light for others and so I'm like oh my gosh if i can only like just help somebody realize um, that they have inherent worth and value and they don't have to put mm -hmm. up with crap like that. And like, you know, so I guess twofold, let me help that person um, realize, you know, it, it's going to be okay. And that they, you know, it's going to be all right. And then help leaders. How can they help, you know, make an organization that helps stamp that stuff out, eliminate it, be a sensitive organization, build a positive culture, yeah. you know? So I guess kind of multiple faceted in terms of how can we help organizations and people? Well, the third thing that you did in your article, which coincidentally I've done over the last couple of years, and that is reach out to people who um, had helped me in my career. Yeah. And I loved how you called out by name those peers, colleagues, and leaders you'd worked with over the years that yes. were supporters of you. And yes. you acknowledged the, um, the value and the way they'd been there for you over the years. And I think the, and, and so I did this in the last couple of years, I've, I've reached out to a couple of leaders that I had back in the nineties and said, Hey, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am if it wasn't for you. I love that and then had the conversation and uh, I, I think there's also something about that like you're saying let's uh, let's support each other let's understand let's um, be allies yeah. and taking the time out to appreciate and acknowledge those people that have helped you along the way you know i love that and that was important for me to do because i wanted it wasn't just to be a um you know i didn't want it to be just a, a finger pointing exercise because while we all think that can be um, sort of mighty fun some days, um, I, you know, that, that doesn't really do much at the end yeah, of the day yeah, yeah. to help, you know, and um, none of us got where we are by ourselves. Mm. And I believe that's a, a responsibility that we have is to bring other people along with us. Mm. And I also found some of those people that I named and kind of reached out to as a part of the process of writing um, didn't realize what a big impact on me they had had. And so I don't know if you found the same thing. when you Yeah, reached. yeah, I did. And, and, and to be honest, it was uh, one of them was a leader that uh, Trevor, who was um, uh, really one of my first managers back early 90s. Um, and he's retired now, semi-retired in, in his 60s. Trevor, I hope you're in your 60s, sorry. Um, 
And, but when we had the conversation, I had tears in my eyes. He had tears in his eyes. It was very much a, a real uh, appreciation of um, bringing to light what he didn't know. Yeah. And, and you're right. So, so uh, no matter who you are, I think taking that time out and acknowledging that, because you're right, we're all in this together. Partnerships are so important. Well, yeah. So two more things about that. And it wasn't just female leaders that I called out. There was um, a very strong male leader in there too, who I just adored and uh, have learned so much from. But there was also um, a leader in there who, um, she was really, really tough on me, but, um, you know, in a, in a way that I needed to hear when I was really, really young and taught me some good lessons, frankly, about kind of growing up. Yeah, gotcha. And, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and so, I, yeah, yeah. And, and just very quickly, Trevor, when I reflect back, there was some tough conversations. There were some things <laughs> I need to hear from him. I'm like early 20s. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I kind of look back and I'm like, she probably is looking at me going, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we all need those people in our life. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, anyway, the whole point of all of this is we're better together. And, um, having these conversations, I think if we do nothing else, like let's use this as a catalyst to have, um, start having some open and honest conversations. Well, actually, while I've got the air, I'm going to also shout out to Megan and to Paul, a couple of leaders as well. So uh, thank you also. Um, and I have reached out to you over the years, but I just want to make sure I mention them as well. So, um, Love that. Uh, um, so Ty, we need to wrap up in a minute. And um, again, I can't thank you enough for your courage of the article that you wrote, which I'm going to ensure we have a link in this podcast for people to go and read themselves. Um, it is about microaggressions, micro messages, and how to be an ally for others. Uh, it's had lots of attention and well-deserved attention because you're creating a space for people to share, to learn, to grow, and to, um, to be vulnerable. And, and there's so much power in that. And your vulnerability did that. So Again, I thank you so much. I thank you for your friendship. I thank you for your inspiration and um, for you being you. Your laughter, I just want to hear more of that as well. That's just, you've got an awesome laugh as well. Um, Thank you. A couple of things that are really important. I think uh, if you do get something out of this conversation, please share it online. Uh, Make sure you tag Ty and myself. Uh, The article I'm referring to that Ty wrote is on LinkedIn. So please check that out and do comment. Uh, As I said, it's a great article. Additionally, if something in this conversation did trigger you as well, make sure you um, seek some support and have some conversations with people that support you as well. And I'll make sure that there is suitable links in the podcast notes if there's some uh, people you need to reach out to to um, have those conversations and get that support as well. Ty, to wrap us up, is there any final message that you'd like to leave people with today? Just um, thank you, Murray, for reaching out. Obviously, I think you are the embodiment of inspired energy, and uh, it just means so much. I mean, you are doing this right now. You are sharing your platform, you know, with me and uh, with others to uh, keep this kind of stuff alive. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Ty. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And I loved this conversation. Um, we'll be talking again soon. So look out for the next episode of Murray and Ty chatting about stuff and important conversations. Uh, all the best for the rest of 2020. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again.